And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And welcome back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I am your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. Just want to let you know that today... Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And I can say that line in my sleep, but I truly believe that Fullscale is a really, really fantastic solution for folks who are looking to build custom software and really, really put together a strong, strong tech solution for their business. So we love Fullscale. They are amazing. They sponsor us and Startup Hustle TV, and you should definitely, definitely check them out. So today with us, dear listeners, we have, we have a brilliant mind. And I have to tell you, so, so our guest today, she's very impressive. And I think she's also very humble. And so I'm going to lift her up a little bit. I'm going to say that Charlotte Clark is one of the most insightful people I have talked to as of late. She has a way of asking questions and getting to the heart of a matter particularly related to technology, but really when it comes to business process, when it comes to all of this stuff, but she is Charlotte Clark and she is founder of Custom Quest Consulting. And she's just, she's brilliant. And Charlotte, we are so glad to have you with us here today. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, well, so let's, let's jump right into it because, you know, your time is very valuable. Anytime I talk to consultants, I'm just like, you're the kind of people who can charge by the minute, charge by the hour. So let's get into it real quick. (laughs) So, so how about this? Tell us, tell us your story. Tell us your journey. Like, how did you come to be Charlotte Clark, founder of Custom Quest Consulting? Yeah, um, so I um, initially graduated college uh, with a degree in computer science. Um, I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to solve problems. Um, it really had nowhere to go from there. Um, I fortunately got a job as a software engineer um, at Cerner, which is a large healthcare technology company. Um, and so I was like, perfect. I'm working with people. I get to create technology. This is amazing. Um, I was there for about six years, um, and about four years in, I had this interesting experience where I was talking to friends about their entrepreneur journey and and problems they were encountering, and um, my mind was just like, oh my gosh, like, tell them this, like, think about this, and so um, I just had a bunch of things trying to help them uh, figure out their process. Um, stuff that I had never thought of really before, but it just kind of like came on in that moment. Um, and that's where I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be interfacing with people. Um, I feel like I have a gift here that I really want to, I guess, make my career. Um, at the time, I had no idea what that looked like. Um, I think I threw around the word consultant, um, but, you know, consulting is such a huge area. So I had no idea how that, how that even works. Um, 
but that was um, in the summer. And so I was like, okay, cool. We just got to figure out like what this next step is. Um, so I spent about a year um, thinking about, um, did I want to be a consultant? Did I want to work at a large consulting corporation? Um, did I want to stay in tech? Um, I spent some time just like learning LinkedIn courses um, and then stumbled on a product management course. And that for me just like opened up um, a whole different world. Um, at the time when I was in school, I really just thought that like being in tech just meant being in software and being a programmer. Um, and product management was the first thing that really made me realize that there was so much more to technology and so much more to uh, the tech space um, than just being a software engineer. Um, and from that point on, I knew I wanted to be a product person. Um, I think part of it was the strategy, part of it was talking to customers and really um, listening to what they say and, and kind of taking things from there. Um, but it really felt uh, flexible and exciting. Um, unfortunately, the, the company I was working for didn't um, have a way to transition into product management. So um, in 2020, I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? Um, tried to interview a couple of places, um, needed experience that I didn't have. So I decided that I was just going to take a leap and start a company and basically kind of craft my own um, service and experience um, and hopefully help people. Um, which did in a, in a strange and interesting way. Um, in July, I launched the business. Um, I started working a lot more with non-technical founders, really understanding the startup process, um, just like learning a bunch, um, talking to people, trial and erroring and all of that. Um, in November, I was able to transition out of engineering um, and became uh, CTO for an early stage startup. And um, by the end of December, I really feel like I came into my own as a product manager and a product consultant. And that's really where um, things really clarified for me um, how much product is important, um, how much founders, especially in the startup space, really need to understand product and product management and product development. Um, and also just in general, like how hard it is really for people to have an idea um, and, and want to implement it and have um, this whole wide world of startup ecosystem and technical pieces and software really kind of um, create roadblocks and, and, and little caveats for people to kind of stumble upon. And um, so where I am right now is I'm really trying to help um, as many founders as possible. Um, I work sort of part-time as a consultant um, and also um, basically just trying to work with as many founders as I can, um, really help them create that foundation of product development process that can kind of help them create their MVP and, and launch their business and be really successful. That is awesome. And I think, when I, and I don't actually know if I knew this, I, I'm sure you told me, but one of the things that I find super awesome is you started your business in the midst of a pandemic. And I just, yeah. I really, really enjoy people who have that level of confidence. And, and what, what's the word? Chutzpah? Like, is that like the yeah. edit? Yeah. 
So, so I just, I think that that's really cool and I wanted to acknowledge it. But the first thing that I want to ask you, and I kind of want to take it out to like the 10,000 foot view of project management is, or product management is a field. And so my question is, what does a good product person look like? Like, I know that you have traits that make you a really fantastic product manager and a really great consultant. But when, when folks are looking, like the folks listening, are looking for someone to take control of their product management process, whatever that looks like, what should they be looking for? Yeah, um, I think the number one uh, trait is empathy. Um, it's something that I hear a bunch uh, talking to different product managers and, and talking about how you kind of break into product management. Um, but it's, I think it's also something for entrepreneurs as well, is like having that um, empathy for the customer or your clients, um, really be able to put yourself in their shoes and understand what's driving them, what kind of problems they're having, um, and, and really being able to like deeply understand what those are. Um, and then the second one is the problem solving piece. Um, it's a little bit of strategy. Um, I think it's a little bit of creativity as well. Um, but once you like really understand what your customers' issues are, what your clients' issues are, um, that kind of gives you like the root of like, okay, like how do I solve this? Like what kind of angle can I come at this at? Um, and so a lot of product management always goes back to the customer. What does the customer think? What does the customer want? What did the customer tell you? Um, and it's the thing that that is um, the most um kind of random you know you can't can't really predict what humans think you really gotta like ask them and observe them um but it is you know the best tool i think as a product manager um that kind of starts your journey out and starts um your uh, i guess research and everything out as well sure well, so so then my next question it become and I mean you're you're all of those things. And just for our listeners at home, like Charlotte and I have known each other for a little while and she she comes to innovator professional development events periodically. And what she does is she asks questions. Like someone will ask her a question and then she'll come right back at you with a question, but it's always like a really incisive question that gets to the heart of the matter. Like I, I've just always been so impressed by that, Charlotte. So I, I just wanted to, to thank you for that. And then I, I want to ask you, so, so we, we have someone in a product manager role. And, and what are some of the best practices that you employ or that you tell your, your technical or non-technical founders to, to use when you're trying to, you know, do your due diligence, do your R&D, you know, figure out how a product is going to best serve the customer? Like, what are your recommendations there? Yeah. Um, so other than talking to the customer, I think that that's really like free form and, um, a lot of people have have kind of problems with that. They're like, what do I ask? Like, what am I looking for? Um, so really the, the biggest thing I say is, is to kind of start with what you're assuming and the assumptions you're making. Um, I think that really makes it really concrete because at that point you're not just like, oh, I'm talking to people and, and picking things up. It's like you're um, validating whether or not what you assumed in your mind that you came up with on your own, if that's true or not. And I think that makes it super concrete. Um, so that's really the first thing that I tell people, um, especially with startups. Um, people are like, oh, I have this idea. It's going to change everything. 
um, or, you know, like this is a genius idea. It's like, okay, but like, do other people think it's genius? Like you're making a lot of assumptions about how you think a person's going to use this. You're making a lot of assumptions about um, how useful this idea is. And so um, usually you can come up with questions based around like, okay, I'm assuming that a person, I don't know, like loves to drive in the rain. It's like, okay, there's really a lot of questions you can ask um, to kind of determine whether or not um, that is a correct assumption you're making or if it's incorrect. Okay. So, so that's kind of, that's kind of where you, you start your base. Well, then what happens when you're ready to start figuring out the tactics behind? So, so we've talked to the customer and we've established what their true needs and desires are, not what you think they are, but what they actually are. So then you have to figure out that what are the, what are the things you're going to do? What are the tactics that you're going to use to bring that solution that's going to work for the product? So, so what kind of, what kind of process do you use there? Yeah. Um, part of it is um, coming up with like mini products, mini um, yeah, I guess mini projects is the best way to put it. Um, experiments is another word of, of little things that you can show people that you can kind of put out there and kind of test the waters with. Um, some of it, I think, goes back to, okay, like you've talked to people, you've kind of figured out what that solution is. Um, then you're like, okay, like if a user was going to use this, um, what major features are they going to use? So, for example, a lot of apps do, you know, registration and sign in. And um, from there, you know, you're a brand new user. Then what do they do? Um, and it's really just kind of deciding and figuring out what what a person is going through your application, um, what they need to solve the problem that your um, idea is based around. And um, part of, the, of that is, you know, empathizing with your, your customer and really understanding their journey. Um, but the other part of it is like testing the water, seeing if, you know, what you've done in your research, um, what you've kind of inferred from that research, if that's correct. Um, and then you kind of work through that process um, as well as just kind of designing out what you want this to look like. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, an issue that I see with, with founders um, is they've got this huge idea and they've talked to people and then they want it built immediately, but they haven't really thought through, you know, like, what does the design look like? What does this page look like? Um, how is a user, like, what is the user clicking? What is the user typing in? Um, and that's all really important because um, especially for development, especially for engineers, um, you generally do not want them uh, trying to come up with, with what something looks like or how a customer uses it. Um, you really not got to specify what those things are. Um, and part of that specification is um, understanding your customers and um, really kind of being creative in that whole design process. Yeah. Well, so, so I actually, and this was a while back, but I was, I was involved in a UX UI discussion with, it was, it was a founder who was trying to come up with a new, um, a new website. Yeah. And it was like a sales marketplace um, for, for artwork, actually. And what was really interesting to me, because I never really thought about this before, but they asked me if I would take part in like 
a just a discovery call where they they just asked me a bunch of questions for like a half an hour and they showed me the like demo of this website and there were all of these like you know very very crudely drawn out buttons and things like that and so they would they would take me through the site and they would be like here look at this button if you hit this button you know what would you expect to happen based off of what you're reading what you're seeing what you've experienced with other websites you know what would be your your instinct and and it was really interesting to me because i had never really thought so um deeply about my user experience. I mean, I think that people who use technology a lot, they tend to use it intuitively. Like there comes a point when you've used enough technology and you've been immersed in it for so long that you kind of know where to expect. Like you know where to find the homepage button and you know where to find like the the back button. And you know that if I click this icon right here, it usually means like gallery or, or whatever it is. Um, but I, it was just a really enlightening process to be be taken through, ushered through to see what the back end of that looked like, like that thought process. So, I mean, do you, do you ever do things like that or do you have any, um, you know, tactics that you can share that would be in that vein? Yeah, um, I've definitely taught a little bit about, you know, UI UX and, and UX research. Um, I think the biggest thing of what you said is that it's like really intuitive to how you're using things. Um, a lot of times people who do not have a UI UX background want everything to be like super fancy and innovative. Um, but it all really comes down to like, uh, you know, what is it a customer assuming when they click something? What does a customer view the page? And are they really able to be like, oh, okay, I'm clicking home, I'm clicking the search button. Like you really shouldn't have a person sit there thinking about what, what buttons mean. Um, I think the biggest thing, like I said, is, is that is really, you know, thinking about all the apps you've used, thinking about the interfaces where you're like, wow, this is an amazing, um, application. I like how easy it is to use. I just like type things in. Um, and then also on the flip side, thinking about, um, the applications or websites that had horrible user, um, experience, because those are things you want really, really want to avoid, um, just, you know, thinking about buttons. Um, for me, I hate when I'm trying to click something and it doesn't work. And I'm like, but the, the cursor's changing. I'm pretty sure I can click this. Um, and really the frustration the user has um, on a website is, is something that kind of uh, makes them never want to use your, your site again. Um, so I think it's really just drawing on your own experience on great things you've used, horrible things you've used, um, and, and really drawing on making sure that the interface is familiar to people. They're not sitting there like trying to figure out, you know, um, what's happening or they're afraid to click things because, you know, it'll blow your computer up or, or whatever have you. So, um, oh, it's man, really I really, I really hope that that's not the case. <laughs> well, you know, it's hard. Like I, there's one, um, website that I come back to, which, um, had, like my stock options. And um, I like was so afraid to click things because I'm not an accountant. I'm not a financial person. I have no idea what any of this means. Um, but there were just buttons there with no explanation. And I just was like, I, I can't click anything. Like, I don't want to do anything wrong. Like, you know? If I and click I this button, am I, am I accidentally going to buy like so many stock shares in like, you know, radishes? Is that what you were thinking or? 
like I just I was like I did I had no idea I was just like I don't want to mess with anything like this is already like my money I think but like yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna delete it I don't know if I'm gonna pull it out accidentally I don't know where it goes at that point um so yeah it was just like I I would log in and I was like tentatively clicking things but um there were buttons that like looked like they were going to do actions and I just didn't know what those actions were so yeah. I just had to log out immediately well and so, so let me ask you this you know you definitely you're you're working with consumers like so, so, so you've got like some some stakeholder groups that you're working with you're you're working with consumers to figure out you know what's the the product market fit and what what are the needs and what are the pain points that we're addressing and how do we make the information as accessible as possible with as few clicks as possible and you know how and I mean there are all kinds of things that go into into product development you know are we are like in the design are we offering more enough I rest or we, you know, just like even things like that, you know, what, what do you see before the jump? What do you see after the jump? What's most important to be featured? So there's a whole lot that goes into this. So you're dealing with consumers first, you know, you're talking about that empathy piece that you mentioned, you're dealing with the product owner, you know, the company that comes to you and says, I want to build this, let's, you know, let's figure out what that looks like. Um, but then you also have developers, like you definitely have to work with developers and you have to be able to speak that developer language, which um, you're uniquely qualified for with your tech background. Um, have you ever used a, 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 a like an offshore, like a, a development team um, outside of the teams that you're already working with? Yeah, um, I did go through that process of selecting a dev agency and haven't quite worked with them in the development piece just yet. But, you know, I've interfaced with them, making sure that um, the requirements that we're, we've written down and what we want um, the software to be built, um, make sure that they have all that understanding. And, yeah. um, you know, hopefully we will be building something soon and, and making that process a little easier on us. Awesome. Well, if you're ever looking for another dev agency to work with, you know, fullscale.io, we love them around here. They're pretty awesome. And they are, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by fullscale.io. They can help you build a software team quickly, affordably, efficiently. They have, they actually, they have an amazing team. Um, I actually love working with the full scale team. They're always, you know, super communicative and very clear um, and they help you kind of figure out objectives. And I just they're they're a dream to work with. So I, I do think it's kind of interesting, though, the fact that your your job, you're a little bit of a translator, really. Yeah. I mean, that that's the function because you have these three very disparate groups, you know, and all of them have different goals and objectives. Right. I want to, I want to solve one of my problems. I want to sell my product. I want to create a product. Um, and so, so tell us a little bit, I know this is kind of like an ethereal question out there, but tell us a little bit about that. Like, what is it like being able to translate and communicate so easily between these different groups and making sure that everybody is of the same understanding on the same page, um, and operating with the same assumptions? Yeah, it's um it's it's funny 
um, because um, I think for a lot of non-technical people, they don't even really understand that there needs any translation. Um, I think until you really speak with an engineer and you're like, I don't have any idea what they're saying. Um, but to be able to do it is, is um, awesome, I think, because for a while there, I was a little bit iffy about how um, my career change was going to keep and stay in the technical area uh, just because I spent so many years, um, you know, studying computer science. Um, but I think the other thing is that it's, you know, I'm just so glad that it's a useful skill. Um, and I think there's some strategy and like creative thinking also behind it. Um, there are a lot of like really, really technical things that um, trying to explain them in a technical way just like doesn't necessarily translate. Um, and so there's some creativity and like trying to figure out like, okay, um, talking about servers, you know, talking about separate applications, like how can I um, shift this conversation into something that, you know, someone who has no technical experience, but has like lived in the world can be able to understand what I'm saying. Um, and so in some of that, I've really come in with an analogy about uh, construction and about houses, um, which I don't think is something that I just uh, created on my own, um, but is, has been a really useful tool of just being like, okay, like if you were to build a house, like, you know, are you building levels to your house or are you building two separate houses? Um, and so it's just been really interesting and fun to, to come up with those like weird analogies that, um, that somehow, you know, makes sense and you're able to really communicate um, exactly what you're trying to get at to someone non-technical um, and then being able to translate that back to a technical person. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I know that, that that's a huge part of it, but one of the things that most intrigues me about what you do, and you even said it when you were talking about what you do, so I'm going to ask you to explore it with us a little further, um, but you talked about that creative process. I think that when people think about tech, they tend to think of the more dry side of tech, yeah. but really like people who create and implement technology solutions. They're problem solvers. Entrepreneurs are problem solvers. They identify a problem and then they find a unique, innovative, or disruptive way to address that problem. And so I want to ask you, you know, what, what does your, the creative side of that process look like or feel like to you, you know, when you are trying to help your clients arrive at an acceptable solution or a, you know, a, a good solution? Yeah. Um, I think the beginning of that is, is really thinking about software as a tool. Um, I think because uh, we're in the world where, you know, everything is on your computer, everything's an app. Um, there's just so much out there already built that there's um, really nothing you can like reinvent the wheel on, you know, like there's, there's just so much out there that you're like, okay, like um, what you're trying to build, like that's, this piece has already been built before, this piece has already been built before. Um, and for whatever reason, those like having those little foundational pieces of everything um, really makes it easy to kind of come up with a new solution, um, come up with something that's slightly different, but, um, you know, isn't insane. And um, so that's usually, that's the biggest thing it, I think it is, is just being like, okay, like, um, 
I know that Airtable exists. I know that, you know, um, I've built, you know, tons of registration pages before. Like, how can we pull in those pieces and and create something that, that you still want to use, um, but is, you know, not like, how do I even, you know, build this, this thing, you know? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I like that. And I, well, I'm actually, I, uh, I'm going to call an audible on you and I'm going to go in a different tack because I, I want to make sure that we talk about this before our time comes to an end. So, so you ready? You ready to come on another yeah. journey with me? Yes. Uh, so, so, so I, I love that, that approach to, to creativity. One of the things that you mentioned when we were kind of doing our pre-interview and we were doing like the pre-show prep, um, and I, I promised myself that we were going to talk about this, is the fact that you yourself, you know, you started this company, um, you said July of 2020, is that right? Yep. Um, you know, and, and over the past year, almost year, um, you said that you have kind of, you've, you've come to understand that you're filling a niche that you didn't know that you were filling when you started out. And it was one of those things where we were, we were talking about founders of color and you mentioned that that is something that you, you have noticed um, and identified as a need. And it's something that you are working to address. And so I want to, I want to ask you about that. Like, talk to us about, about that kind of awakening. Cause you're really almost being your own product manager. You're, you're assessing the market and realizing that what you thought you were doing is a component of, you know, a bigger picture. Right. So, so talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, so in 2020, when I initially started custom quest consulting, um, it was a fractional CTO business, which is, um, like chief technology officer, um, which is a buzzword, I think in the startup community, but, um, that was the biggest thing was I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to be this technical person for founders. Um, and at the time I thought it was like, oh, this is like a no brainer. Um, but I spent a lot of time talking to founders um, and realizing that, um, you know, there's like a large pool of people who are looking for technical co-founders and are looking for CTOs. And um, the pool of those people are like really small. And it, it started to make me really realize that like, oh, like me being technical, um, especially with, you know, people who have ideas and I think a lot more founders are non-technical than technical. Um, they've been told a lot that they need someone technical on their team. Um, and it's almost like their startup is going to fail if they don't have a technical co-founder and a technical, like a CTO. Um, yeah. That for me became like this, like, I, like, <laughs> I don't know. My brain was like, I don't understand, like, um, why, you know, why this is a barrier, you know, um, why so many founders are being told by investors, told to investors that like, oh, you know, you don't have a CTO, come back to us with a CTO, um, knowing that that pool of people is really small. And it's, it's just like, it's near impossible trying to find that person. Um, and so that's really what um, in the last couple of months is really where I've been like, okay, like how can I solve this? Um, and part of it has really been being able to consult with non-technical founders and like letting them know that um, you have your own, experience, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a uh, person with a software background, but there's a lot you can do basically without um, needing an engineer or needing someone technical. 
Um, I think that's become, I guess, like an education piece um, is if you take the whole journey of your startup um, from the idea to, you know, developing an MVP, there's like the small portion of getting the MVP developed um, where you, you know, honestly do need someone technical or an engineer to build it. But the rest of that journey, you know, designing it out, talking to customers, everything we've already sort of talked about, like you can do that on your own. Um, and because there are people like me who are consultants and are technical, um, it is also possible to hire someone part-time to help fill in that, that gap. Um, because, you know, just trying to find an engineer who has a business background or um, trying to poach someone from a huge corporation who's, you know, software engineer making, I don't know, 100K to, you know, work at your small startup as an engineer is, um, you know, magical when you can find it. But uh, I don't think it's a consistent um, method for a lot of founders, especially those who are um, people of color and, and are, I guess, those up underrepresented uh, founders. So, so as part of your, like your ideal clients, um, is that, you know, founders of color, founders from marginalized communities, like, is that, is that a demographic that you're targeting as a client or is that, that's who has happened to come to you because you're just fulfilling a really, really very real need for them? Yeah, it's definitely the people who have, who have come to me um, are, are those people who, have hit those roadblocks have, have stumbled a little and um, just don't have the resources or don't know other people to be like, Hey, you know, I've hit this block. Like I can't find developers or, um, you know, I need a technical co-founder or I, I can't get funding. Like, what do I do? Um, and those things, those things I just mentioned, like I said, are kind of down near the end of that process. Um, but it kind of hits them early, um, you know, like they've just gotten their idea, they've just done the research and they're being told, you know, you need that technical person um, and they just don't have the resources or they don't um, have, they don't, they have no idea, you know, they don't have any idea about how to, to approach that um, huge problem, who to go to, um, no one in their network is, is someone who's an engineer who can kind of help them on a part-time basis. Um, and so it's really just been people who have come to me and the, the consistent stories I've heard um, that really have made me very passionate about it and um, really want to make sure that the education is out there that you don't need, don't generally need a technical person to um, fulfill most of that, you know, CEO and, and entrepreneur role in your startup. Sure. Well, 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 thank you so much for, for being intentional and in, in offering to fill a very important gap um in the, in the technical space um just love that you're doing that and i i think you know by now that i'm a, I'm a huge admirer of charlotte clark um you Thank know you. that now now our listeners know that um so, so now i'm going to give you an opportunity um and I'm, I'm, I, I want you to brag on yourself a little bit and i know that that is not your natural inclination you are a very um feel like you're a very humble person. Like every time we talk, you're just like, oh, you know, this is something amazing I did. And you just like offhandedly say it. I'm like, okay, well, that was totally badass. And she didn't even make it sound like it was badass. Um, but so, so tell, talk to us about some success stories that you have seen where a, like yourself, you as a product manager came in and you were able to 
stop a problem or you were able to help a founder achieve something that they didn't think they would be able to achieve. I, I want to hear your, your good stories. Cause I know you've got a ton of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have not had a lot of clients who, um, I've been able to really help out. I just haven't had a lot of people who have hired me. Um, I've spoken to a lot of people in consultations, um, and, um, but I think that probably the biggest role was the taking the CTO job of an early stage startup. Um, it was already a huge risk, but um, I was like, you know what? I can do this. I think, I think I got this. And um, it's been about six months since I, I joined. And um, it's just really amazing to kind of see the advice that I give and, and realizing that I'm doing this in real time and, um, the startup is, you know, it's still early stage, so I can't say that it's been um, hugely successful, but I think we're, we're really on the right path. Um, and the founders I work with are two non-technical people, they're doctors. Um, and so there's just been a lot of, um, you know, like I said before, talking to customers, really making sure that that product design is in place. Um, when we were talking to development agencies, um, I was very adamant about creating user requirements, about writing all of that out. And it's a service I provide as well. Um, and when we were in interviews with um, dev agencies, they were like, oh man, like we've never had detailed user requirements. We've never had user stories like this. Like, did you hire someone? Like who did this? And I was like, oh yeah, that's that was me. Um, and so it was a couple of times people were just like, wow, like you are the first company we've worked with. You are the first startup we've worked with um, that has this all super detailed out. We really understand what you're trying to get at. Um, and that was probably one of the bigger moments where I was like, okay, like I made the right decision. Like I'm making an impact on this startup, um, even though I've never been a CTO before. And that's, you know, a little bit of the imposter syndrome speaking up. Um, I'm actually making an impact and I'm actually like a great fit for this role. Um, so that's really been uh, one of the better experiences I've had um, that kind of tangibly shows the, the work I'm doing. That is awesome. I, I hope I don't sound condescending when I say this, but I, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so proud of you and proud to know you. you. I just think you're super cool. Um, so, so we're, we're kind of coming up on the end of our time together today. And I'm going to ask you, a human question. And I, you know, I've kind of been going back and forth and I'm just like, I don't really have one set in my head right now. So, so, okay. I, I, I'm going to ask you this. Here goes. Uh, you're stranded on a deserted Island and you can bring one item with you. What do you bring? Um, okay. One item. Oh my gosh. So I know. I'm just going to go book. Um, okay. Oh, it has to be an audiobook. Um, one of my favorite audiobooks. Oh, gosh. Now, now this is like really good. This is fine. <laughs> um, it's fine. Um, there's an audiobook I really love. It's, um, I can't think of the title right now. Um, but it's kind of fantasy. It's kind of like people out of powers. Um, huh. I, I guess I would bring it to fantasy. I didn't know that. That's awesome. We should, we should talk about that. Sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like fantasy type, like people of powers. Um, I think it's narrated by, oh God, I'm, I, I'm blanking. Um, 
it's I love that, I love that you chose the book. Like <laughs> I, I have to I have to admit, like I was fully expecting you to be like, I don't know, big ass machete, like a lighter, you know. But you're like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a book. Like I I love that. So I think that that is very telling, and that's why we ask the human question because I'm like I want a little insight into Charlotte's mind, and so just the fact that you were like this is really important to me and I want to have it with me. That's, that's really cool. Um, and I mean, on this deserted Island, we're assuming that you have like food and water and things like that. Like you're not going to die if you don't take, you know, certain things, but that's funny. You know, I was assuming that I had to forage my own food and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out reading this book over and over again. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. And see that, that tells us even more about Charlotte. Well, so, so we've had a really, really, great conversation here today. And, uh, you know, I, I do have to say, um, you've actually given me some insights into folks who are looking to start uh, tech companies, you know, and like figure out tech technical products. Um, for our folks at home, if you're thinking about starting your own new tech company, be sure to check out Startup Hustle's weekly How to Start a Tech Company series. Um, so it features the mats. I call them mat squared. I don't think they love it, uh, but it is. I, I don't really care. It is a 52-part series, and it takes you from start to finish on the startup journey. And it's 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 the mats. It's mat squared. So it's always a good time. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, Today's episode of Startup Hustle, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that it was sponsored by Fullscale.io, who is led by one of the mats. Um, they can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and we we just highly recommend their services. I, I recommend their services both as, you know, grateful for their sponsorship, but also someone who actually uses their services, and I just, I love it. Um, Charlotte, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Um, it was a lovely conversation, as I knew it would be. Uh, you rock. <laughs> and thank you, dear listeners, for taking time out of your busy schedule to check in with us. We will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.